This is Life with Jerry Williams, the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. On this episode, I'm going to spend some time with a dear old friend. I haven't seen him in probably 20 years. We figured that out during this conversation. Uh, He actually tracked me down through the radio station where I work, the Joy FM. He found the website, saw my name listed, and, and contacted me, and we've been back in touch. I worked with him years ago, back in probably the early 90s, at a Christian radio station on Long Island, New York, WLIX. Keith's radio career, uh, he's probably best remembered in radio as Hollywood Henderson. Worked at some tremendous CHR, contemporary hit radio stations, back in the 80s and 90s and into the early part of the 2000s. Was at WPLJ in New York City? Was at a station in Minneapolis? Was at a couple of stations in Dallas, actually even worked some country music in Dallas, has gone through a lot of changes, a lot of challenges in his life, and now actually has a company called Play.com, P-L-A-A-Y, that makes sports simulation board games. And you're going to hear an awful lot more about all of that and how his faith has guided him each step on this journey. So coming right up, the conversation with Keith Avalone or Hollywood Henderson. It's always great to reconnect with old friends, and I did so with Keith Avalone, and we connected over Zoom. And so let's just get right into this conversation. And the thing with Zoom is, it's video too. So you get to see each other. And sometimes if you haven't seen people for a long time, well, they change. Great to see you. You look a little yeah. older since I last saw you. Well, I am a little <laughs> older since I last saw me. <laughs> when was that? That was 20, uh, it was 2003. So yeah, it's been about 20, 20 years now. It's been a long yeah. time. It's very long, very long time. How did you decide to start using the name? First of all, Keith Avalone, and you're best known in the radio world as Hollywood Henderson. Well, it's been a while since I was Hollywood Henderson, to be honest with you. So I don't, oh, really? know, anybody, I don't know that anybody really remembers that. Maybe uh, I was Hollywood Henderson until, well, so we moved to Denver in, in 2007. Uh, and I was Hollywood Henderson on, on Mix 100 and on uh, Cool 105 and on, 92.5 The Wolf. So they have the three CBS stations. After that, I started working at KYGO, but the uh, program director, who you may know, Joel Burke, who's in oh, uh, yeah, yeah, KC- yeah, KCBI, he was the program director at KYGO. He didn't want me to be Hollywood Henderson because, you know, it just didn't, didn't work with country, I guess. D- huh. But despite the fact that I've been Hollywood Henderson at The Wolf in Dallas yeah. for six years, but he, <laughs> so I, I became Howie Davis. Howie Davis was my name on KYGO. <laughs> And then after that, Hollywood was no more. I mean, really, I, I was I was occasionally Hollywood Henderson when I would fill in uh, at Cruz and Oldies. And so sometimes they'd have like they'd have me fill in on the weekends and stuff like that or, or, or when somebody would go on vacation. And I was Hollywood Henderson when I was playing Oldies on Cruz and Oldies. But that was and that, I think the last time I did that would have been probably 2012. Wow. And after that, there was Hollywood Henderson is no more. How did you? decide on that name because whenever i when i first heard hollywood henderson then he used to play for the cowboys is he doing radio now yeah i don't know anybody remembers that hollywood henderson either anymore <laughs> <laughs> at least i don't have to deal with that anymore but yeah so so the story behind that was uh this goes back to 1983 
uh, when I got my first big break, I was working in, uh, in uh, Davenport, Iowa, Quad Cities, uh, KSDT, which was a big AM top 40. So one of the last great AM top 40s. You know, I've been there about a year and a half and I was sending out tapes and resumes, as, as we always do. And, you know, when you're in, in radio, you can always you always have to be sending out tapes and resumes, whether yeah. you're looking for a job or not. Uh, so and uh, I got a call from uh, KKBQ in Houston. And they offered me a job doing kind of, they really weren't very specific about it, but, you know, they were a top rated station. And, you know, I thought it's, you know, one of the biggest top 40s in, in the country. They were making a lot of, a lot of noise. And so I took the job, met John Lander, who was the, uh, the zookeeper, you know, the head, head of the Q Morning Zoo mm-hmm. and the operations manager there. And he said, uh, I walked in his office, he said, welcome to all, welcome to Houston. We're going to change your name. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay. And he said, uh, we're going to call you Hollywood. Because at that time, the station was affiliated with, uh, this was back, we're really going far back. Hart Hanks used to own radio stations. It was like a kind of a newspaper company, but they also owned radio stations. And they had a station in Tampa that Scott Shannon was on, Q105 oh, yeah. in Tampa. So the Q Morning Zoo, the KKBQ is modeled after that. So again, to, to rewind a little bit, Houston was without a top 40 in 1982. They had no top 40s. The last top wow. 40 was KRBE and they'd switched to a hot, hot AC or something. So there was no top 40s in Houston. And Hart Hanks had this beautiful music station. Well, they actually had this AM station called KULF. And they thought, let's just change this AM station to top 40 and see where we go with it. So that's where 79Q was born. And Lander came in and uh, Lander had uh, worked against Scott Shannon in Tampa that they had kind of a, you know, a love-hate relationship. And, and Shannon was the one that recommended Lander for the Q Morning Zoo position at this new Top 40 in Houston on AM. So it, wow. they launched it and it, took, and it went crazy. This is a long way to answer your question, but it's background information. So they launched it and it was wildly successful. It was this AM Top 40 that was yeah. number one in Houston immediately. Uh, so they thought, uh, well, somebody's going to copy us. And so we better, you know, we better uh, be proactive. So they switched their beautiful music station. They had a beautiful music station called KYND. They switched that to Top 40 and they had like an AM FM powerhouse. And when they did that, they wanted to model the FM station against Q10, after Q105 in Tampa. And the night guy on Q105 in Tampa was Hollywood Hamilton. <laughs> so that was Lander's motivation. So, so we're going to make, you know, our key, our Q Zoo, you know, our our Q Morning Zoo, our Q Q, 93Q is going to be just like Q105. We're going to have a guy named Hollywood on at night and you're going to be Hollywood. So what should your last name be? And I thought, well, I don't know. Uh, you know, who I, I was just arrived from Davenport, Iowa. You know, it's like <laughs> whatever you want. I'm, you know, I'm happy to be here. So uh, I think I suggested something like Hendrix. I think I want to be Hollywood Hendrix. And he said, no, what about, what about Hollywood Henderson? There used to be a football player named that. People will remember it. And I, I was not in favor of that. But, you know, what, am I, what was I going to say? Yeah, exactly. So I became Hollywood Henderson and uh, stayed Hollywood Henderson for many, many years. Yeah. Long story, but that's, that's the whole background on it. That's amazing. I, I don't know that I ever asked you that before. I don't recall that answer ever before. Well, so. it's kind of a long and drawn out answer, but that, that is the honest to God truth. That's, yeah. that's how it happened. Oh, and it's, that's not surprising. No one radio. That's, that's not surprising at all. So you went from there. Did, was Minneapolis the next stop? Uh, no, I went from I went from uh, Houston. Was there in Houston from eighty three to eighty seven, uh, and then I got the night job at Power ninety five in New York under under Larry Berger. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, I worked nights at PLJ WPLJ for two two almost two years. Larry Larry had been there for seventeen years. He was in, like an icon, 
And uh, you figure you're going to go work for Larry Berger, going to, you know, work for Larry Berger the rest of your career, probably. Yeah. If, if, if he likes you. Well, uh, about a year and a half in, he got he got let go. Or I think he left because they wanted him to do some stuff that he really didn't want to do. And he felt like he just wasn't going to do it. So he left and they brought in Gary Bryan and he fired me and eventually, you know, took the station. You know, the station was went, it was chaotic. It was a chaotic. Yeah. Chaos. They were going after Z100 and we, we did pretty well against Z100, but it was, uh, you know, Power 95 was never, you never had the promotional ammunition that, you know, ABC Cap City just wasn't into that like, uh, like uh, Z100 was. And so we were always kind of at a promotional disadvantage, but the ratings were still pretty solid, but they felt, felt like they needed to change direction. So they brought in Gary Bryan and they went great guns, a full out onslaught against Z100. Uh, I went, then went to Minneapolis okay. and worked for Brian Phillips at KDWB uh, three years. That was, uh, I mean, I don't know. Do you want, you want the whole story, the whole, yeah, the whole yeah, idea? Yeah, 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 so yeah. I went to, I went to KDWB and also it was like a spiritual reformation as well. But getting fired in New York was, was really hard on me. I, I guess I thought I was bulletproof. Other people got fired, not me. Yeah. So when I lost that job, it, it hit me really hard and I really fell back on my faith and God moved us to Minneapolis and, and we got plugged in with a church there, uh, Glen Lake. And, and it's, you know, the church is extinct now too, but at the time <laughs> it was a, this confluence, this, this plan, alignment of people at the same place at the same time. And it's just, you know, I just, you know, totally a divine sort of thing that we just happened to be there when they were there and this church was there and everybody's gone separate ways now, but it was very formative. It was a very formative spiritual thing for me. And after three years of working at KWB and, and being plugged into this, to uh, Glen Lake Baptist church, uh, Wayne Calendo was the pastor. He's now retired. And they, we just had this great core of people, mentor type people. And I took master life and I really got serious about my faith at that point. And I began to think, you know, I don't know some of these songs I'm playing on, on top 40 radio really don't honor Christ. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Long story short, at the end of my contract, they offered me a new contract. But I said, no, I think, I think God is calling me to something else. So we packed up our, me and my wife packed up our stuff, uh, you know, and we went back, we had a house in Connecticut that we bought when I was working in New York and we tried to sell it. And we thought, we just said, God, if, you know, if you, if you uh, want us to go somewhere else, you're going to have to have us, you know, have to sell this house or we're going to move back into it. Well, the house didn't sell. And, you know, in, in retrospect, it was maybe kind of trying to put a gun to God's head, but, uh, <laughs> you know, God has a way of working things out anyway. So we went back to Connecticut. And then that's where I, our, our paths crossed. Yeah. I was uh, trying to find a job outside of radio. I felt like I can't do radio anymore. If I can't, I felt like, you know, if I can't do top 40 radio, big time, top 40 radio, like, you know, PLJ and KKBQ and KDWB. And these are all, you know, great radio stations. Oh, huge. Legendary. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do radio at all. I don't do, you know, I'm going to just do something different. So I was applying, I I have a, a degree in, in advertising from the University of Texas. And so I thought, I'll, I'll see what I could do in terms of getting a, 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 some sort of an advertising job. And there were two different, two different occasions where uh, I was like, the, I was this close, this close to getting, one was a job as an editor at a, at a, like a puzzle magazine. And wow. another was a job as, as an, at an ad agency, just north of uh, Stanford, that was very heavily involved with New York stuff. And I really, really wanted that job. But as it turned out, in both cases, they hired the, the, the other guy. There's two guys. You're oh. one of them. We're going to hire the other guy. And both times it's like, doggone it. God, <laughs> what are you doing? Come on. And I had driven down to, uh, 
I remember, I remember talking to our, we, we'd, we'd gone back to, to Connecticut. We'd started going to this uh, uh, church in Greenwich, uh, Greenwich Baptist church. I remember talking to the pastor there and saying, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to be like, like uh, Peter. I'm going to cast my nets on different sides of the boat and see which one where the fish is. So mm-hmm. I, I was looking at ad, ag- ad agencies and I didn't feel like I could do Z100. Although Steve Kingston did call me and said, why don't you come work for us? You do weekends. I said, no, oh, I, I, I don't think, I don't, I don't think I should be doing that. So I, I, I'm probably one of the few people that turned down Steve Kingston. I would think so. And uh, I instead drove down and, and met with Joe Bataglia. Joe, Joe yeah, yeah. We had a nice meeting, but nothing really seemed to come of it. Uh, you know, I was like, well, you know, we don't really have any place we could use you, but it's really nice to meet you. So, so I, I drove up to a Danbury and there was a Toys R Us store there because I, I, I like games and toys. Mm-hmm. And I talked with the manager there and they were going to, they're going to put me in the management program for Toys R Us and would send me off to the school in New Jersey, I guess, for I don't know how many weeks. And, and I was going to get into management at Toys R Us and they, they said, well, you know, just let us know to, you know, give us a call tonight and we'll get you started. And that's when you, it was either you or Lloyd. I don't know who called. I remember, was it you or was it Lloyd? <laughs> I think it probably was me, but I couldn't swear to it. So it was a long time ago. And yeah. uh, offering, you know, this job doing afternoons at uh, WLIX. And something in my heart just said, you know, I don't think I really want to work for Toys R Us. I think <laughs> I, I want to do, I think I should be doing radio. It's what I love doing, you know? Yeah. So I, I'll take this job. So, you know, I remember... I, I, either you or Lloyd, I think, we, I can't remember. I probably, I know I spoke probably with both of you at some yeah, point. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. And uh, you said, look, you know, it's a, we know it's a long drive and the pay's horrible, uh, but we'll I tell you what, we'll give you your weekends off. You know, you can only go to work Monday through Friday. You can stay home, you know, Saturday and Sunday. And, and that was a big deal because, you know, as long as I'd worked in radio, I never had weekends off. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a huge, that was a huge plus. So I took the job. That's where our, our paths come across. Yeah, that was great. You were, how long were you there? Was it a full year? It was a, almost a full year. Okay. Uh, I thought it was pretty close one way or the other. Yeah, I think I went, I took the job, uh, I got the job offer at WMZQ in, in Washington, D.C. It was late summer, late yeah. summer. So, yeah, it would, have, it would have been about a year. I call yeah. it a year. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. No. It, was a, it, was a, it was a fun year. I still remember the Christmas party that, uh, that we had and everybody yeah. got... Uh, Gifts, gifts, merch from <laughs> yeah, the bookstore. Yeah. Oh, the bookstore uh, you know, and the uh, Lowe's outdoor store. You remember that? Did, yes, you got yes. That? Oh. I still have. I still have. Believe it or not, I still have some of the CDs that uh, we got from that party. There's one oh, yeah. that uh, there's a. It was a series. I don't, maybe you still have. Maybe you have it too. It's a, it was the tapestry series. Yeah, tapestry, oh, I vaguely remember that. Yeah, tapestry yeah. morning, tapestry afternoon, tapestry yeah. evening. Beautiful. They were awesome CDs. Yeah, I still listen to it. I still, and I always think of that, of those days on WLIX. Yeah. Those a, were good Christmas parties. They were. Yes. Well, I only went to that one, but yeah, yes. But that, that was a great was Christmas good. party. It's a nice restaurant. I remember a good yeah. meal. Yeah. It, it, was, was, uh, it was It was good nice. company. We had a good time. We, always we did. Time. Yes, we did. Now it was at that point that I found out about your love for strategy games because we started, I think it was Thursday nights for a number of weeks, our own little Stratomatic baseball league. Yes. At the radio station, we would come back and I brought my son and there were a couple of the other guys that worked at the station that, that came and played. 
Uh, we each had our, had drafted our own teams and, and had a regular schedule going. How, how long we do that? Six weeks, eight weeks, something like that. We did. Maybe we played a a, like a, we played a thirty game season, I think. Yeah. So I, I don't know how many. I think we played. Uh, yeah, six or eight weeks sounds about right. I think we played. Yeah, uh, like a, we played a series every night, like a three yeah. or three or four game series each night. We played everybody in the. I think we had six teams. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that was yeah. fun. That really was fun. I don't know how we ever, I don't know how we ever got on that topic, but I'm glad we did. I, yeah, maybe me too. I probably brought it up. I was always that talking could about be, it. that could be, but I had just started getting into Stratomatic myself. I think around that time, so probably slightly before you came, I've been looking at it and I ordered it and I had the cards and stuff like that. So uh, it was fun. Now for people who don't know, give them a, a thumbnail of what exactly Stratomatic baseball is. Cause that's going to then be the setup for the, the next part of your career evolution. Right. So Stratomatic there is one of two major companies that create sports simulation board games. There's APBA, A-P-B-A is how it's spelled. They're based now in Alpharetta, Georgia. Uh, it used to be in Lancaster, Pennsylvania for many years. And then there's Stratomatic, owned by Hal Richmond, who's still active with the company. Uh, it's based out of Long Island. The idea is back in a simpler time uh, when professional sports were you know, played by guys who uh, taught school or, or something in the off season. Uh, you know, there was a very distinct season and an off season. And uh, when, when the season ended, it ended, you know, guys went, guys who were playing linebacker for the giants went and sold insurance mm -hmm. or, you know, dug ditches, uh, you know, for a construction company or something. And then when the fall came around or when the summer came around, they go back to, they go back to camp. Well, that's the way it was in the, the sports lands, landscape was like that. When the season ended, it was over until next Next season until, well, these get the, the, somebody at some point, Hal or, or Dick Seitz of Apple recognized that for many people, when the season ended, they weren't ready for it to end. They wanted it to continue. They wanted to, they wanted to keep enjoying baseball or football or whatever beyond the season. So that's where these games were developed, designed to recreate statistically, realistically, accurately recreate um, professional sports. They do so with cards and dice. That was the, you know, that was the milieu at the time. For a baseball game, you know, you'd, you'd pick your lineup. I would pick my starting pitcher. I mean, we each pick our lineups and our starting pitchers. And then uh, we would roll the dice. It would tell us, we would check on a, on a card or a chart. And it would tell us what happened. And the cards and charts were set up so that they would recreate the player's actual statistics. So if you had Roger Maris at bat, you would expect him to maybe hit a home run. Yeah. You know, if you had... Uh, Someone like Maury Wills, you know, maybe not, you know, he's probably, if he, if he did hit a or Rod Carew, if he did hit a home run, it'd be like, whoa. So the cards <laughs> were designed to recreate their players, actual abilities, whether good or bad. And people loved them. You know, it was a, a whole generation of us grew up with those games. We would play them just incessantly. And, and, and as did I. I, I guess you're kind of late to the party. Yeah, Most of yeah. us discovered them as teenagers or, you know, preteens. And uh, saved up our nickels and dimes and bought them and then uh, played them incessantly through our, our high school years. That, that, would, that would be my story. So that's what Stratomatic is. Stratomatic uh, and APA are the two big companies. Once they got launched, though, once they started finding some success, you know, as Katie bar the door, there were at one time in the, in the 70s and early 80s, there were dozens of these companies that made these kind of sports simulation games. Dozens of them. And uh, they're all gone. Yeah. Uh, except for uh, Apple and Stratomatic are both still in business. And there are a bunch of new companies that have joined, have kind of sprung up in the past, you know, 20 years to kind of uh, seize the opportunity created from people who grew up playing those games, but those mm -hmm. games, you know, you know, aren't, aren't there or they want something different.
That's right. Now, even at that point, you were had already started tinkering with developing your own versions of those games, hadn't you? Exactly right. Yes. Uh, so, you know, playing those games as much as we did, I mean, we, we would literally, the gang in our, in our, my hometown, my hometown is Sparta, Wisconsin is where I grew up and very small town, not much going on. So we had a bunch of guys, eight, varied to eight to 10 to 12 guys. And we would play these sports games and we had a football league that we played well, like 26 seasons of it. And we would, wow. uh, my, my best friend lived on a dairy farm just outside town. We would all go to his house. He had, there were like two houses on the property, his grandfather's house. And then the house that his parents lived in, which was built for them after they'd gotten married years before. And so basically the the house where his grandfather lived was pretty much empty. The the grandfather still lived there, but he was deaf as a board. He could not (laughs) hear anything. He was like 90 years old. So, you know, he'd go to bed at eight o'clock in the evening and we could make all the noise we wanted. He wouldn't wake up. So here's the, so we would go to, we'd go to Don's house We'd help with the chores, milk the cows, you know, shovel the, the manure and, and put the straw in. The, and then we'd, go into, then we'd go into the grandfather's house, all, all eight of us, and we'd play a full <laughs> season. We'd stay up all night. We, you we, play a full season in one night? Full, it was a 10-game yes, season. Get, we could play a game in about an hour. We'd get, get in there about seven in the evening. We'd play all – we'd literally play all night long. Finish the season by like four or five in the morning. We'd be eating pizza, those, those <laughs> Tostino's pizzas and, you know, liters of Coke. Just, to, you know, we would just be bouncing off. The, we, we, we were loud. But that was the great <laughs> thing is grandpa never heard a word of it. You know, just snoring away. Oh, and my. then we would uh, – and then we, we'd finish the season. And then we'd have a draft for the next season. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that was our – so we would play these games, you know, just in, incessantly. And in so doing, long, kind of the long way around, is in playing these games, we discovered kind of their weaknesses. Like, man, this is, this is not really that realistic, or this, this doesn't work right. Like, for example, with APA football, a quarterback would be sacked based on what was on the quarterback's card. So you could trade him to a team with an awesome offensive line, and he'd still get sacked a lot because uh. all the results were on the quarterback's card. And so I thought, that's not right. we got to change that. So we made up our own house rules. And eventually, we made so many house rules – that I figured, what the heck? I'm going to make my own game. <laughs> and that's when I started working on it. It would, be, it would have been, uh, you know, mid to late 70s. Wow. Wow. And so now you, you, you left LIX in Long Island. You went to D.C. for a while. Then you were back to Texas, right? Right. At that point, when I left, yeah, now we're kind of. We're, so when, I, when the thing unraveled in D.C., it was, it was a bad, really bad situation. I don't want to really even talk about it because I'll wind up saying things about people on record that, you know, I shouldn't say. So I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to say. So, you know, it was just a bad, bad situation. It left me wondering what the heck I really felt like, you know, this was that God had created this opportunity and it just, it just tanked. It just, it just went down in flames. It was, it was really bad. So again, we prayed and prayed and prayed. One of them, we said, you know, again, using the, the uh, thinking I'm going to cast my nets in multiple places, see where the fish are. We moved to Dallas and I, got, and I uh, applied for uh, Southwestern Seminary. Also started working part-time at KISS FM because one of the guys in Minneapolis, Mr. Ed, Mr. Ed Lambert, who was the music director in, in Minneapolis, was now the music director at KISS FM in Dallas. And he knew of my work in Minneapolis. He said, hey, come on, we could, we could use some, some uh, help working weekends. And that, that quickly escalated into a full-time job. First of all, I was doing like late nights at, on KISS FM. And then they moved me to the afternoons. 
Wow. And all the time I'm going, I'm going to seminary, you know, and I'm, I'm telling them, they, they said, I remember uh, the, uh, the GM, John Cook was the, was the PD and, and G- Brenda Adrians was the GM. And they brought me in the office and said, look, we want, we want to put you on the afternoons. You're the perfect guy for afternoons here. The only thing is you're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to have you do bar appearances. You know, it's part of the, it's part of the job and, and we're going to have to send you to bars and you're going to have to be okay with that. And I said, well, you know what? I can't do that. I'm going to seminary. Seminary students can't be, you know, going to bars. So I'm afraid much as I would like to do this, I'm afraid I'm going to have to pass. And it's like, hmm. <laughs> next day, next day, look, you know, we talked it over. You don't have to do bars. We still want you to <laughs> So I wanted, I wanted to do an afternoons at, at KISS. And for, for about two years, I, I was doing both, you know, going to seminary in the morning. And then I'd bust it back to Dallas in the afternoon and did my show. And Gradually, over the course of time, I began to realize that, you know, God's calling can be varied. If God's got a call in your life, it doesn't have to be to be a missionary or to be a pastor. And I remember the last, it was the last five minutes of the last class of my last semester, a class about vocational ministry. And the guy quoted Elton Trueblood, uh, Elton Trueblood's book, My Other Vocation, and talked about how the work of Christ is to be done by the laity, not by the pastors. The, the, the role of the pastor is to engage the laity to do the work. It's mm-hmm. not the pastor that's supposed to be making the visits to the hospital. It's the laity. It's not, you know, the, the whole idea of the ministry is the pastor is the leader and is directing the laity to do the work. And I thought, well, that's what I, I want to do the work. You know, <laughs> I don't want to be telling people what to do. So I thought, so maybe I'm not called to be a pastor. Maybe I'm called yeah, to be yeah. you know, a, lay, a lay person. And, and then I, I rushed, it was, of course, summer, it was like the summer, it was the last uh, class of spring, of the spring semester. I immediately went to the, the, the library and checked out Elton Trueblood's book. And I read it cover to cover. And after reading it, I thought, you know what? I'm not called to be, I'm not called to the ministry. I'm called to radio. That's, that's my calling. So that's what I did. I, I, I ended my seminary career and just went full-time radio. I had, <laughs> had, I had a great impact and great uh, you know, great interaction with people, but it was a great, I think my Sunday school class that I taught was probably large because I was, it was this disc jockey teaching. Yeah. yeah. But you know, so what? That's, we got people to hear the, the word. Exactly. Exactly. You had the platform and you use it to the best uh, of your ability. That's exactly right. And that's what everybody, that's, you know, that is what everybody should be doing. You know, you should be doing what you're, what you're called to do as unto the Lord. Exactly. Exactly. And then using that opportunity to serve him more specifically and, and right. more deliberately. As you and, you know, to, to be honest with you, you know, I'm doing the same thing now, just in a different, it's a different vocation, but it's one that I've always wanted to do. And, but it's the same philosophy. You know, I still feel called to this and uh, I, I use it as best I can to advance the, you know, advance the kingdom. Well, you sure don't pull any punches on the website. <laughs> Uh, you know, I went, I, I read the story you've got, you've got a, and, and I'll put a link to this on the, the show notes of the podcast. Uh, your website is play.com P L A A Y.com. And you now are developing your own strategy games. Yeah. It's, a, it's just, well, we, you know, I've been doing sports games, so that's a whole nother story how that, you know, when the thing in Denver ended, it was, uh, it was, and it's all, all detailed on the, on the thing on my website, about 20 years of play. So the, I, I don't think I probably need to go into it here, it's, it, but it was definitely, there were some dark times. It was tough. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I really, really had to rely on, on God and, and the faith, you know, it was, it was an exercise in faith. 
And that's the thing about faith. You know, if there's not, if there's not any risk, then there's faith is not really required, you know? Yeah, so in order to activate that faith, there's gotta be some risk. There's gotta be some, some trouble on the horizon and brother there was. Um, so yeah, then I eventually, you know, made the switch to, uh, to doing games as I, I, I felt led by God that this is what I should be doing. Um, you know, in many ways, when the, when the job in Denver ended, it was like, see, see, God, I told you this is what was going to happen. Now what are you going to do? And that's where I began to feel like I should be doing games because it's something that I, I'd always wanted to do, as you know, from, you know, yeah. oh, 20 yeah. years prior in, in, in uh, Long Island. And um, so I applied myself to it and, and God uh, opened doors and uh, put me in touch with the right people and and gave me, and even I think even more critically, gave me some great ideas uh, about about sports board games. And uh, I uh, uh, got a baseball game out there. Then I, you know, got a hockey game out there. And uh, you know, originally it was just football, and uh, you know, expanded to other games. And you know, praise be to God. You talked a little bit about how your faith influenced just about every step of the way that you've taken. When did you first come to faith? Um, well, you know, I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, I remember, it's a funny story. I call it my pastel from hell story. <laughs> uh, I, was, I was about five or six years old. We were in Arizona. We just moved to Arizona because my bro older brother had bronchitis and, and we're in asthma. Well, I, but I don't know if they really knew which, but in those days, the only cure for that was to move to a dry climate. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So we moved to Arizona and we were out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, my dad was, was teaching uh, music at a, uh, basically a minimum security prison for juvenile delinquents. You, you know, kids who were underage who really couldn't mm -hmm. be sent to a prison. So they had this right. special place that they would send them. But it was like, it was, you know, out, out in the middle of nowhere, it was like a jail. So there was a little Baptist church out there. And one night they had an evangelist come in and this evangelist, uh, his specialty was, uh, and this is going to sound, you know, this is, I, this is going to sound kind of crazy, I think, but, it, but I'm, I swear to you, it's true. It, it was a nighttime service, you know, it was dark and the, there was like colored lights on, on him at the front of the church. And he would create this, this, uh, pastel using chalk, like chalk pastels, oh, yeah, orange, things. orange and yellow and red of, of the lake of fire. And there was this, soundtrack that was on a record of people moaning and you know just <laughs> shrieking it was like something from halloween it almost seemed like and you know i still remember vividly i mind you this was so many years ago but i still remember vividly he put like little these little check marks to rep and then to represent the hand outstretched hands of people in this lake of fire i was scared to death i was terrified and i remember i don't know where my parents were they, maybe they were doing something else or helping serve somewhere else. But I was sitting next to a lady who was like a friend of the family. And she said, I, I remember she said something like, you don't want to go to hell, do you? And I said, no. <laughs> so next thing I know, I'm being brought up to the front. Oh my. And, and uh, that was my <laughs> decision for Christ. Oh so, gracious. I know it's kind of unorthodox. Yeah. To but, say uh, the least. <laughs> yeah. But oh. that was my, uh, that was, that was how my faith kind of began. And then, you know, we were all, we were always in church. And so, I mean, I guess if I had, I had to put a starting point, that would, that's, that's. The yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a very similar story to me, although I wasn't, there was no pastels involved with me. 
Yeah. Well, you well, know, that was a, that was the way people were reached back then. It's not a, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Not a way that I think is really much in vogue now, but, uh, Hey, whatever it takes, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, here I am. So exactly. Exactly. Is there anything we didn't talk about that I didn't ask you about that you were hoping you'd get to talk about? No, I think that's about it. Uh, it's just great talking with you again. I, yeah, I man, remember, you too. I remember so many, uh, so many of our, our hallway discussions at uh, WLIX. And yeah. uh, no, I think we've, I think we've, I probably talked too much, to be honest with you. I'm sorry. No, never, never. You know, Lloyd and Ellen were up here with me just before the end of the year. I think they recently moved to Georgia. Really? Oh. Thank him for me for, for putting up with me. I know I was probably not the, the easiest employee. Oh, man. No, you kidding me? It was great. We were, we were, it was a thrill getting Hollywood Henderson, who used to work at PLJ, to ah. come to work on a little AM daytimer out in the middle of Long Island, uh, and do Christian radio. It was well. Great. I know that uh, I know that I was not the the, the best employee. Uh, you know, I, I don't remember good, any problems, man. It was difficult. It was a difficult time for me, really. Well, I, that know? I get, that I get, but that did, it certainly didn't affect your work. Well, I remember you you uh, entrusted me with doing the music logs. And I remember you would send them, like, if, if I made a mistake or something, you'd send them back to me, like, you'd circle something. Like, if I put, like, like two tempos <laughs> wrong. And, and I remember thinking, ah! Oh! But then I remember <laughs> thinking, no, wait a minute. He's, he's teaching me. So it was, it was really a, a real teachable moment. And okay. I, I really, you know, I really appreciate the investment you made in me in that regard. And Lloyd as well. You know, I remember my, my wife's car needed brakes, and we had no money. We were, we were like broke. Yeah. I remember telling Lloyd, I went in his office and said, could I get like an advance on my next month, next week's pay or whatever? Because my wife has to drive to her teaching job and her car is just not safe. And I remember Lloyd arranged it so that I could get the brakes done for free with trade. He traded out for me yeah. and had the brakes done at, at some Long Island tire place. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll never forget that. That was one of the what was one of the kindest things anybody ever did for me. And that I, was still, Lloyd. I still that tear was up Lloyd. thinking about it. It yeah. was so it met me right where I needed it. So tell Lloyd. I will. He's the man. I will. I certainly will. Brother, it's it's it, let's not let it be another uh, 20 years. <laughs> no, let's not. And we'll do it's it pleasure. again again. We'll do it again. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We, at the very least, just chat and keep up. Yeah, absolutely. We should play a game. Trying yeah. a baseball game. You probably like it. Love you, man. It's, it's great you talking to you. All right. Bye -bye. Talk to you later, Jerry. Bye. Oh, I had so much fun catching up with Keith. What a great guy. What a great story of faith. I hope you caught that line that he said towards the end about his faith journey, that that's the thing about faith. If there's not any risk, then faith is not really required. And so when you're facing something that's trying, some dark times like Keith talked about during that conversation, when there's a little bit of risk, that's where faith comes in. I'm going to put a link to his official website, play.com, and you spell that with two A's, P-L-A-A-Y.com. 
in the show notes for this episode. And I'll also have a direct link to uh, the story that he talks about, the, the part of his website where he kind of outlines 20 years of play, his journey, and he shares a lot of that faith journey. There's an awful lot about the games in there. So if you are someone who is interested in sports simulation games, or maybe you've never played one and you think it sounds kind of interesting, check out the website. Thank you again for uh, allowing me to be a part of your day today. I hope that you will subscribe to the podcast. And if your platform allows it, give us a review, a five-star rating would be tremendous. That'll help other people find the podcast. And uh, coming up next Monday, we'll have more right here on Life with Jerry Williams.